You're listening to the Faithful Career Moves podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Hunter, and this is where we talk to people who have seen the hand of God in their lives and particularly in their careers. Welcome to episode 41 of the Faithful Career Moves podcast. Here's something I love about the work I do. I get to meet many inspirational women who are doing a myriad of things to develop their talents, take care of their families, serve others, and lean into what God is guiding them to do. But unfortunately, women still face criticism for being working or non-working moms. As a result, I'm seeing young women increasingly frustrated by that and sometimes even questioning their faith. But despite broad general statements, I believe there's no one right way to be a mom or a woman of faith. Many moms stay home, many work, many do a little or a lot of both. I genuinely don't care what path women take. I just want to encourage you to make it a matter of personal revelation. And for now, I think the best way to do that is for me to share stories of faithful women who've seen the hand of God in their careers and whatever those decisions might be. So today I'm thrilled to have you meet Brittany Rattel. She's an attorney who found a niche that is a blend of her talents, education, and interests, and it allows her to support her family, serve others, and build up God's kingdom here on the earth. Really, this is the quintessential example of what this podcast is all about. So I first asked Brittany to tell us what it is she does for a living. So I am an attorney and I help online business owners, creatives, creators. That's who I help and I help them set up and scale and protect their businesses. How did you get into that niche? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, so I fell into it. I uh, went to law school, felt called like I was supposed to go to law school. I was considering lots of other paths in terms of graduate school. And after I graduated, you know, I got some good advice from mentors at the time that were like, even if you're not sure if you want to practice full time, sit for the bar, be prepared. And so I did. And I had a newborn baby at the time to spend a lot of time uh, in my daughter's nursery. (laughs) Just me and Barbary, just luckily she was a great baby. It was really hard and it was Mm -hmm. stressful, but like, I'm so glad I did it with a two month old versus any other time in my life with kids. It would have been impossible. But I felt like, well, maybe I could do family law and maybe some estate planning. There are practice areas that I had seen modeled. I had done in externships in law school. So I was familiar with what those look like. You didn't really have to have a lot of support staff for those. And it wasn't the same as like litigation or document review or a lot of other practices that needed a lot more structure and setup. You know, you could kind of be a one man, one woman shop and do, you know, more reasonable client work as you wanted to and scale. And so I decided I would do that. So I just let people know I was doing that and I got enough business just to kind of keep it at a simmer, really. Yeah. I called myself a naptime attorney and that's what I was <laughs> for many years. I was just a naptime attorney and a nighttime attorney. And uh, I can get my cousin across the street to watch my baby attorney for a few hours to get some work done. And it felt nice to use my degree. And I learned some things and there were some really hard things. Family law particularly is very emotionally challenging and very emotionally draining because your Mm -hmm. clients are in crisis all the time. Mm -hmm. And you're just trying to be steady Eddie and be a rock and trying to deescalate situations. And honestly, I felt like more of the time I was a therapist than I was, yeah. you know, a totally unlicensed, unqualified therapist more than an attorney. Cause I'd be like, really what it seems like is everyone needs help with their feelings here because everyone's grieving yeah. and angry. And you see that play out in the courts, in the uh-huh. legal system as a tool, but th- this is just a, a symptom and a reaction to what's underlying what, what people are feeling and trying to process and deal with. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, lots of challenges there, but in the meantime, some bright spots where I had these friends from school, a lot of them that were in my peer group, you know, LDS women who were bright, 
successful, talented, also trying to figure out how are they going to mesh their careers in with growing a family, with maybe having to move around and follow a husband as they were in the whole dental, law school, grad school, MBA, you know, med school journeys. And they were bloggers and they were really talented and good at telling stories and chronicling lifestyles. And they were the very early successful bloggers and really opened the door to that as a career path or just getting more notoriety because there were a couple really famous LDS bloggers. And some of these friends were starting to like turn these into kind of real businesses and really become the first influencers. And they were starting to host events and sell their own products or sell other people's products and just make money and kind of start to hustle and figure stuff out. And I kept on getting questions of like, hey, Brittany, I know you don't do this, but um, can you help me set up an LLC? And I was like, yeah, I can help you. And hey, Brittany, I know you don't do this, but um, I've got this contract. And like, I don't know what it says and I'm going to sign it. And I tried to take it to my dad's friend who's an attorney or my uncle, but he doesn't know anything about Instagram. He doesn't know anything about blogging. He doesn't even understand what this deal is and what I'd be signing or giving up. And I'm like, well, yeah, I understand that world. So yeah, I'll take a look at it. And that's really how it started was really just organically. And then it morphed from there into really becoming now it's a full-time practice. I own my own firm. I mean, I've been practicing law. I graduated law school in 2011, but I've been in this kind of niche full-time now for seven years. So, wow. You know, it's so amazing to me. This is something I've been writing a lot about lately is the evolution. When you were growing up, did you have entrepreneurial thoughts, dreams? Yeah, I think I did. My dad is, I would say, a quasi-entrepreneur. He worked in a media acquisitions. He was in like a small three-person firm that specialized in doing radio merger deals in the 90s. And so he was a businessman. He wasn't an attorney, although he could have been. And loves deal-making, negotiation, putting things together, working a room, like those are his skills. And so I got to see a lot of that in action and a lot of just even those soft skills of my dad would always talk to us about, here's how you excel at a job. And here's the question behind the question that you need to be answering. And here's how you need to think about it from their perspective. So those are all things that I I learned. I thought every family learned that at the dinner table, (laughs) (laughs) the art of, you know, the deal making. And then my mom's a true creative. My mother is a very talented seamstress, event planner. She's done professional costuming and she just lives in that creative zone and is very at ease and just thinks that she can figure out anything. And honestly, she can. And so I like to think of myself as a nice blend between those two. And so growing up, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I know I love to read. I love to write. I was a pretty creative thinker and problem solver. I really liked being with people. I was an extrovert. And so I studied communications and PR at BYU. And then as I was finishing undergrad, I was like, I'm not quite sure what I want to do, but I actually went and worked and did marketing for a law firm in Salt Lake. And it was a really great experience because it taught me a lot about the practice of law, what it looked like being at a firm, what marketing looked like and how that was changing. Like we had a website, but it was very basic. You know, I remember still trying to get people to do their yellow pages ads. <laughs> and I remember even then asking, I was like, are we sure this yeah. is a good use of our resources? And they're like, well, this is what our competitors do. And I'm like, that's not a good question about whether we should be spending yeah. this, whether it's what our competitors do. The, the question is, is this where our clients are? Is this what's helping them make good choices of selecting their lawyer? But you know, that was the fresh college kid with their one class of marketing thinking that they knew <laughs> what was what, right? Yeah. And it also taught me some really important things about I saw attorneys that were very successful, highly regarded in their field, making very good money, very unhappy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially some of the LDS attorneys and especially the women LDS attorneys who had beautiful cars in the parking lot, nice house up in Park City, juggling their multiple nannies and what that looked like and how it was supposed to be work-life friendly. And it was a bit of a myth, you know, if they were going to make partner. Right. And that was eye-opening that I was like, okay, still interested in law school, but 
don't want to do this. So I can cross this off my list of things that I think would be a good fit for me in terms of my partnership and my marriage with my spouse. But I was still interested in law school. And then kind of what cinched the deal for me was really a a formative experience in my last internship of undergrad. I worked for the State Department overseas in Mozambique. And I spent a summer, like two months working there. And there were tons of ex-attorneys all around. And of course, they all want to ask the intern, well, what are you doing? What are your plans? And I was like, well, First of all, I'm in love with this boy and I'm, <laughs> I'm super homesick and as happy as I am to be here or going on an adventure or seeing yeah. a sunset on a catamaran, I was super mopey for the first time in my life. I was homesick, but for a person. And I was like, so I think I'm in love with him. I think he's like the one for me. So I, I have to figure that out. And that's a very new thing for me to think about. Like my life is going to have to be molded around another person. And I'm not just going to be on my own jet ski. My husband and I talk about this analogy a lot of you, when you're alone, you can have your own jet ski, but then when you get married, you, you both have to be on one jet ski right? <laughs> and you do have to decide what it's going to look like together. But, you know, as I said, maybe I'm going to do public health or public policy. And I was really interested in helping women and children and maybe using my gifts and talents there. And I thought maybe that's where my heavenly parents were guiding me towards. And they were all like, don't go get those degrees. Go to law school people will take you seriously. You will get good reading and writing, critical reasoning skills, and you can do anything. You can practice or not practice. You can go work for a nonprofit. You can go join the foreign service. Those are all past. So that was really helpful advice. And so that coupled with a lot of thinking, a lot of prayer, I really got a strong answer that I was supposed to go to law school. And that Heavenly Father is basically saying, I know you don't know what that will look like and what that will look like having a family and being with Michael, but to stay with me here. And I wow. will, I will let it unfold on time in time, be patient with the process. If you get your law degree, you don't actually have to practice to keep it current. So once you pass the bar, if you want to stay an active member of the bar, you need to be practicing. And then you could go like inactive status. And I didn't want to do inactive status because I was like, yeah. no, I want to be practicing and doing something and I'm going to pay for malpractice insurance. So that's an expense. Plus I thought, there's a chance that we might be moving back up to our hometown someday in Coeur d'Alene in Idaho. And I really didn't want to sit for another bar. And the only way around that is that you have to be practicing active enough that you can wave into another state and get reciprocity. And so that balance tipped it. And I was like, nope, I'm going to keep my head down and do something and keep using this and figuring it out and keep being open to experiences, to inspiration. I'm going to pray about this every general conference, which I did for years. (laughs) If the path I'm on, right. Is there anything else I'm missing? Is there anything Mm -hmm. else I'm supposed to be doing with these gifts and talents that you've given me? Is there something else I'm supposed to be doing with them to help build the kingdom, to help you, to help women, to help children? I thought that was where my path was going to lead me. Mm -hmm. In a weird, you know, funny way, it it does now. Not like I thought, but almost all my clients today are women and I'm helping them build their dreams and helping them start nonprofits and employ people and build businesses and solve problems and create agencies and media empires. And it helps lift their families and then all the other people they touch. And so I did end up helping who I thought I helped, just not in a way that I I could see right from uh, where I was sitting then. Yeah, totally. Okay. So before I ask you the questions that I ask all my guests, I want to ask advice Mm -hmm. for you. I'm going to ask it two different ways. First, you work with all these entrepreneurs. What mm-hmm. advice would you want to give to them? Something that I usually repeat with clients as they're starting their entrepreneurial journey is as you're starting to think about what you want to offer and what you want to do. I like to think of three circles in a Venn diagram. And one of them will be things that you like to do, the skills that you like to do. What do you, what do you like to do? Do you like to read? Do you like to talk? Do you like to sell things? Do you like to explain things? Do you like to make things with your hands? What do you like to do? 
The other one, things that you're good at doing, which sometimes they're what you like to do, but sometimes there's some nuance there that's important mm-hmm. to explore. And that's why it's it's good to be introspective. You can always ask a trusted friend, what, what am I good at? When am I in my zone of genius? When do I feel powerful? You know, when do I kind of have those highlights in my life where I really feel like I'm, I'm digging into stuff that I'm good at? And that's going to be in that second Venn diagram. And then the third, it's really important are what is a problem that people will pay money to solve? <laughs> And you want to start a business, ideally, if there's a point in between all three of those where it intersects. And again, that third one is what is a problem that people will pay money to solve? Because I've especially seen this that can help. And I think it's women's strengths being misused as weaknesses. And that a lot of women say like, I want to help other women. I want to help build a community and help maybe because I was at home and I had postpartum problems or I had, I was struggling with this and I wanted this and I want to build that. And and that's amazing. And there's a wonderful space. And I hope we have more people who help with that, but we also need to be specific on like, what is the problem that you're solving that people will pay money to solve. If we want to build a business, we need to make money. We need to make friends with money. We need to not be weird about money. And it needs to be sustainable because this is going to take a lot of time and effort. And if it's something that you're going to be making the conscious choice of that, let's be honest about what that needs to look like for it to be useful. Otherwise, you might be best served using your skills and going working for somebody else. And there are great jobs out there and great organizations out there. So that's where I like to usually start with people is find that spot in the Venn diagram uh, between all three of those circles. That's perfect. Okay. So then advice for somebody who wants to do something similar to what you're doing. So someone who wants to be, you know, a lawyer like me, online lawyer. Yeah. And I have a funny, I've had a couple of girls who are in my local church congregation who've been shadowing me for their senior project. So they've been asking me a lot of these questions. And I would say, if you like to read and you like to write, because that's a lot of what my job is, is reading and writing and then talking to people and being able to summarize things, then I think it's good to get a good handle on what are the ways in which you want to differentiate yourself. There is some disruption of pushback against traditional big law and model, and certainly tech is pushing against it. I mean, AI is scaring us all that like they're coming for our jobs. And I don't think we need to be fearful about that, but I think we need to be realistic that, yeah, there are some lower level administrative, clerical, really data-driven tasks that don't need to be done by attorneys. Some of that work will be taken over by technology. And so I think it's good to, to think about, well, what could you offer and what do you want to be helping people as part of that process? Do you like the idea of being in court and you like public speaking and having periods of a lot of preparation and then kind of that high conflict and do you handle that well, then maybe a litigator, you would like doing that. But if you like more dealing with documents and helping people assess risk and doing stuff on the front end so that they avoid the shadow of the courthouse, that's more transactional law. And that's what I do in my practice. And so taking some introspection of what would you maybe be interested in law? I think it's a really good idea to go either work for a law firm, go intern there, go shadow and see what do you think about the practice? Because law school is an investment, right? It's three Mm -hmm. extra years on top of your undergrad. For some schools, it could be a significant investment of money. There's some pushback whether law schools need to be more honest and transparent about job prospects and debt and what that looks like after. And I'm glad because we need that and make sure that it's a, a worthwhile investment, you know, and you're not setting yourself up with a millstone around your neck. So, right. The whole point of this podcast is to say, okay, of all those things you said, it's really a matter of prayer and talking to Heavenly Father and saying, okay, I think I want to do this. 
help guide me there. And I love that you felt go here. I don't, I don't know the outcome yet, but I do feel like I should go here. Yeah. I definitely felt led along and prompting. And I could even see afterwards, you know, as I was doing family law and estate planning, I kept asking those questions. The Lord was moving things in my life. I had a good friend of mine who was a graphic designer, Melanie Burke, who knew a lot of these same creative friends. And I'd done a few legal projects for her. And she was like, you know what? I'm listening to this podcast. I think you'd love it. It's just kind of opening my eyes of this online business world and online course world. It's he's called by Pat Flynn. You should start listening to it. And I was like, sure. So mm-hmm. I dug into it. And that was kind of my introduction to the Pat Flynn and the Amy Porterfield and the Marie Forleo, you know, who are the, right. you know, Seth Godin, these huge thought leaders in online marketing. But I'm so grateful that she told me about that and opened my mm-hmm. eyes to this industry and this potential and got me really excited and energized where I was thinking, you know what? I think this is actually exactly what I want to be doing. I want to be helping women here, you know, praying about that. And I got that confirmation and I thought that awesome. I feel so great about that. Now I just have to send out this one really scary email, which is (laughs) you send out the email to everyone on your contract list. And you're like, well, I'm this now I'm, I'm declaring it. You feel like Michael Scott in the office where he's like, I declare bankruptcy. And you're like, I am a lawyer who helps business owners and creatives. And I'm like, I don't even know what to call myself. Like what do these people creatives? Are they entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. I don't influencers. Do they like that term? And I sent that scary email out, you know, and I got my first business from there and I was like, okay, I have an Instagram now. I'm just going to answer questions and just provide value. And we're going to see where that takes you. So Mm, it's amazing. Well, can you tell me about a leap of faith? Maybe you just did. Can you tell me about a leap of faith you had to take? Yeah. I mean, that was a really big leap of faith for me to do that and to just put myself out there. And that was really scary for me because I'm, I'm an Enneagram three. I'm like words of affirmation. I want to be thought of as respected and smart and proficient and doing something new like that, where I had all the imposter syndrome in my head of like, who are you? You didn't take a lot of business law classes. You didn't study and work with a big firm for several years. Are you even like qualified to help? And so I had to do a lot of internal work on that and really get to my knees and be humbled. And I'm like, is this okay? Is this right? Am I crazy? Or is this a safe step, you know, moving forward? Mm -hmm. And it's not like I expect the Lord to tell me, oh yeah, you'll be for sure. And you won't have any problems and you'll make good money. Cause I don't think those, those were fair questions to ask, but is this the next right move for me? And this Mm -hmm. is something that would be with good use of my skills. And I got a resounding yes. And so that really helped me a lot to move forward with that. And hindsight on the other side of it, I'm just so grateful for the people and the books and the podcasts and other pieces that were put in my path to help me um, to figure it out on the way. I love it. So what is an unexpected blessing? Something you just couldn't see for yourself in making this move? I would say the the community of women that I found online. I have such a rich network now of friends who are clients and clients who are friends. Most of my clients become my friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> if not one way or the other. And um, some people that I've never even met in person, but I consider that we're very close and we we share and we boost each other up and we know a lot about each other's businesses and families and whatnot. Um, and then a lot of women I have been able to connect with in person at events, at conferences, at retreats or whatnot. But because of, again, that blessing of the internet, and I know there are ills and downsides to the internet and to social media, but one plus side for me has been the community that I've been able to be part of, even though I live in a small town in Northern Idaho. And so I'm not limited into who can be in my village of women who can be trying to use their skills to support their families, to support their dreams, to support what they can in their circle to build God's kingdom looking forward, even if that's selling baby blankets, right? That, But that might be what they're called to do. Um, and I just 
just feel really grateful to be part of that village. Mm, That's beautiful. So how have you seen the hand of God in your career? All over. I don't know how I can not see the hand, the hand of God, you know, from the just leading me and the things that I learned at a young age and from debate to being led to law school. And then I fell into this really great study group in law school that helped me tremendously. You know, in fact, one of my close friends in that study group, she passed away last year from cancer really suddenly, but it was just such a blessing to be able to think of the time we were able to spend together and talk. And, you know, there's not a lot of women in law school and they're, they're getting better, especially they're really trying at BYU to up their numbers. But so it was always really special to have that kinship and that connection. But those relationships to ones that I found in the creative community at Utah and Provo and beyond, I'm just so grateful for because I know that there weren't any mistakes there. And there's people who've been able to find me and find me at the right time when they really needed help or when they were really at an inflection point in their business. And I'm so grateful that I could be there for them and that I've done the preparation to be ready and that I showed up in a way that that led it so they could find me or they could get my name from someone. And I just see the hand of God all over that and being able to you know, do good things um, as we're put into motion and there's momentum there, then then he can use all those tools for his good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show with me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Shelly, for having me. You know, I don't always find ways that I can talk about faith, you know, with my professional interests, but for me, they are so intertwined and I'm just grateful that I was raised with a perspective that could see that and be humbled by that and be awed by that of um, that's how great God is, is that you can use ordinary things in our lives and other people to be the answers to our prayer. So amazing. I love this interview. And these are my takeaways as well as a thesis that I'm working on. Every woman I've interviewed in this podcast has experienced the same career evolution, though the paths and the destinations are actually different. It starts with personal development, and it ends with a divinely inspired career that feels miraculous and perfectly timed. But the spoiler alert is that it never actually ends. Instead, we're always somewhere on the path in multiple areas of our lives simultaneously, whether we realize it or not. As we partner with God in making career decisions, we discover He's constantly preparing us for what's next. And though this pattern also applies to men, women face the additional challenge of deciding if, when, and how to incorporate motherhood. So I'll describe the pattern as though it's linear, but it's not. It's overlapping and iterative. In other words, you don't arrive. But if you're wondering how to find that thing you're uniquely called to do, this is the process. First, there's personal preparation and your personal development. This is the things you like to do, the skills, your interests, your aptitudes, even your education, the things that you are just naturally drawn to doing. Second is professional development. That's the part where you take this out into the world. You're testing it. You're getting good at it. You're even failing and learning things about yourself, um, gaps in your education, things you want to pursue. But when you get to the sweet spot of your passions and interests plus your development, you find, and this is the third step, that you're serving others. You actually become so excellent at what you do that you can't help but serve others. It's the kind of thing that when people say, oh my gosh, you're so good at that, that you tend to say, oh, it's nothing. But really, it's just that you are so good at because it aligns with your passions and interests and your expertise. Then it comes the impact. This is the fourth step, is when you're making an impact. When you're that good, you're serving others, your sphere of influence actually increases in such a way that as followers of Christ, you have the ability to make a real impact on this world and in building up God's kingdom on this earth. And I have to add here that nowhere have I said that this is financial. 
you can go through this entire process with a goal to create a nonprofit or serve in your community, be a really amazing missionary, a really great mom. There really are no rules here because it all comes back to following God's will for you, his plan for your life, and you seeking his guidance in that. And then you repeat it, not because you purposely start over, but because like I said before, you're always evolving and always being prepared for what's next. So you don't actually arrive. What I've noticed in this podcast, though, is that it can take a few iterations before you really see God's hand in the process. But when you do, it's the full recognition that little things from your life have lined up. And once you see it, it's magical. And more importantly, it changes your career going forward exponentially. So I'll be talking more about this pattern in upcoming episodes, but for now, I just want to thank Brittany for sharing her journey and how she involved God every step of the way and recognized his involvement. I didn't understand how to get personal revelation until my late 30s, and I mean really late 30s. Many things in my life for sure would be different had I known how to do that earlier, but God is good, and I've still seen his guiding hand in my life, and I'm so thankful he didn't leave me when I had no idea he was there. But once I saw it, once I fully understood, well, everything changed. And Brittany modeled that beautifully for me. So I thank her for sharing her story. And I thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with me on the Faithful Career Moves podcast. I hope you will discover one story at a time that God cares deeply about the details of our lives, especially something as important as using our talents and abilities to support our families, serve others, and build up his kingdom on this earth. And if you are a stay-at-home mom who feels inspired to stretch yourself professionally, visit FaithfulCareerMoves.com to learn more.